0: Hey bubblies and welcome to my streaming bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen. And today I'm excited to announce that I'm not only tolerating someone new to the podcast, but it's also podcast crossover day today. I'm honored to be welcoming to the bubble Sean from the cheap seat reviews podcast. Hello and welcome. And thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you tolerate me enough to uh, have me on.
0: You're very welcome. You seem very tolerable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that's not the worst thing I've ever been said about me. So, uh, I think even my wife would agree.
0: <laughs> right on. So Sean, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Cheap Seat Reviews. Please. Sure.
1: Cheap Seat Reviews is the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Uh, we've been reviewing streaming films since 2014. Yeah. We just, uh, not knowing when this episode will air but we just recently um well tomorrow we will, we will we will record episode 405. so uh all that means is is that no one has told us to stop yet so yeah
0: <laughs> well that's awesome and congratulations on over 400 episodes um i started listening to your latest one the uh lethal weapon episode because i had some time while the kids were out of the house i'm like oh, i gotta try and get in some podcast listening. And I unfortunately didn't finish it because they are very fast walkers. But they uh, I got so I I listened to the beginning. And I just have to say before we get started Radio Flyer, I loved that movie. I watched that movie way too many times as a kid. So when you brought it up, when you mentioned it, I like what out loud? I was like, yes. (laughs) And then in thinking about it, I was like, yeah, that was kind of a
1: fucked up movie.
0: (laughs) it's so good though but it's you know that dark theme of child abuse and everything and then your fun fact about who played the dad that one i was just like i lost my mind like doing the dishes i was like no way so that was very very cool if you guys want to know what i'm talking about you should go listen to this episode
1: (laughs) yeah radio flyer it's such a weird movie to have watched so many times but i mean uh i mean and there's because there's it's a weird movie right i mean Mm -hmm. there's a there's a the the youngest kid they're they're on their cross country drive to a new house and they stop at like a buffalo ranch, and one of the buffalo literally comes into his bedroom and has a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Right? And like so you're like, okay, what kind of movie is this? But it's it's a movie about child abuse. I mean, so like it's it's interesting, yeah. Go watch uh radio flyer, it'll make you both cry and uh kind of smile a little bit but it'll make you cry it made me cry
0: oh absolutely yeah totally little elijah wood and then yeah tom hanks lorraine Bracco, and you know great cast and everything but it's kind of like when i listened to your episode about the net i'm like why did i watch this movie so many times why did i like it so much (laughs) the only thing i can come up with was that i was just a child and i didn't
1: know any better (laughs) sure well yeah that was like what 95 right so Mm -hmm. I was I would have been eighth grade when that came out, and um, this is interesting though because I think we might have talked about it on that particular episode. Um, I was pretty fortunate to go to a school that had computer labs uh, more than just typing. Like I was able to go into some classes that actually talked about programming and coding and things like that. Like even in eighth grade, so when that movie came out, even as a kid, I thought well, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. You know, like even So as I got a little bit older, high school or whatever, and got a little bit more into it, I thought, no, this is bad. <laughs> like, in '95, we're ordering pizza over the internet? No, that's not the thing. <laughs> you know, so that's not how that works.
0: I think maybe that was always my draw to the movie was the online ordering. So that's today, to this day, like one of my <laughs> favorite things about technologies. I don't have to talk to anybody.
1: Yeah. It's so funny too. like, um, so, po- so I'm going to mention this later on, but after I, I left the film industry, cause I was in that for a little bit and there's a reason why I'll bring it on later, other than just to name drop um, in between gigs, sometimes you just have to find a job. So I was working at a, at a pizza place. And it was right when we first started doing online ordering. And I remember thinking then this will never catch on <laughs> <laughs> because it's, It's just so much easier to, to just call and talk to a person. Boy, was I wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I, you know, I just, I get really weird on the phone and then I, I always feel like I have to practice what I'm going to say just to order a pizza. So I'm like, I, I like the, the clickings and, and whatnot, but.
1: Well, for what it's worth, you and my wife are the exact same because it's like, Hey, you know, can you order the pizza? And she looks at me and she goes, no. You mm-hmm. have to do it, you know, it's like, <laughs> okay. So it's, it's just a thing. I do want to say this before we move on to this actual episode, because I know mm-hmm. you want to, is that, so I listened to your uh, Fifth Element episode.
0: Oh, thank you. That's right. Yeah.
1: And I uh, had an absolute blast with it because I love that movie. Uh, unabashedly love that movie. Um, that was the first movie I ever bought on both VHS and DVD I don't own it on blu-ray though which is a shame there's a weird story i'm not going to get into it but i don't have it on blu-ray but anyway yeah the fifth element's great and i had i had such a good time with it so i enjoyed your episode on it
0: oh well thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it it was a good episode and it was kind of our little uh uh ode to bruce willis after his recent and it was yeah so it was fun to be able to re-watch that and then for like the next two weeks my husband was doing the ruby rod the bzzz, at me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's like that's it you're not watching that movie ever again <laughs> but we are not here to talk about radio flyer or the net or the fifth element but instead we will be talking about the 2014 movie nightcrawler starring jake gyllenhaal and i know that that's not how it's pronounced it's like Hall, i think yeah yeah uh, renee russo riz Ahmed and bill paxton and it's available to watch on netflix so kind of a quick uh, synopsis spoiler of the movie. So this is just from IMDb when Lewis Bloom, a con man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. My little synopsis is a psychopath takes pictures yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oversimplification, But
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: so what are your general thoughts on the film?
1: So, generally speaking, one, I like this movie a lot. Uh, we we also covered it on my show three or four years ago. So when this was an option to do for your show, I jumped at it because I haven't watched it since we did it for the show. And I remember really enjoying it then. And I think I am even made the comment that this was one of the first movies in a long time that, like, affected my sleep. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Because he's a psychopath. I mean, he really is. And... Maybe a high-functioning sociopath. I don't know the the correct terms. But yeah, the the, the movie itself is really well-made. It's really well-edited. The music uh, is so good at making you feel intense and creeped out and on edge the whole time. Uh, The one thing I noticed this time, I don't know if you noticed it this time. uh, And maybe I noticed it the first time. I just don't remember. But when Jake... We're just going to call him Jake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hull, yeah. Whenever he is on camera, he doesn't blink.
0: Oh, I don't know that I noticed. No, I don't think I noticed that. But that would explain, yeah, that intensity and that really creeped out feeling that I had every time he was on screen.
1: So about halfway through the movie, I'm sitting there thinking, why does he look so creeped out more than like than when I saw him for any other movie, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just, oh, he doesn't blink when he's on camera and it might be in the trivia. I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but yeah, it's just, he's always like staring into your soul. Mm -hmm. It just, yeah. Yeah. he, He has an intense look and yeah, he's very creepy
0: very creepy and i and i love jake i've you know he's one of my celebrity crushes for the longest time and everything but this movie i'm just like no thank you we're gonna pass on this version (laughs) because he yeah maybe it's the no blinking and maybe it's the um choice his choice to lose a bunch of weight to kind of go with that character and kind of add to that creepiness or go with that kind of coyote vibe theme I think I had read. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, it's not okay. <laughs> Even when we're first introduced to him in the movie, he's doing some shady shit and then beats the shit out of some dude. So it just sets you up right away to like not like this guy. So uh, I I really like this movie. I haven't watched it in several years. Uh, I think we were saying before we started recording that, uh, my husband and I watched this, I think, when the kids were young and still had like overlapping nap nap times and didn't know what it was about. And I was like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo, we, we know those names and we like them and put it on or just like, OK, <laughs> that was a movie. <laughs> it was very good. But when you don't know what to expect, you don't know anything about it, it kind of just blindsides you a little bit this movie with all that creepiness and unsettling and just feeling, (laughs) but I, I, I really like this movie. It's so good. I just, I really like that creepy feel to it. And just, there's points where I, I forgot certain moments in the movie. So I'm like, I sit up and I'm just like, oh my God. And just like disgusted with the shit that he does (laughs) and the way he treats people and the way he speaks to people. But, oh, it's such a good movie, and I think everyone does a really, really great job with their roles and everything, and the writing, the way he speaks, oh, just everything about it is so unsettling, and that's one of my favorite things.
1: Yeah, so so Bill Paxton is in this, and he plays this kind of douchebag other guy in the same industry. And, like, you're supposed to dislike him, because so you know again obviously this is spoilers but this is a 12 or you know, a six-year-old movie but um mm-hmm. no eight-year-old movie gosh so when so jake gyllenhaal kills him right mm-hmm. he, he 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 cuts his brake line or something and you know causes him to crash and films it and i think the reason why the director or that the write was written bill paxton's character written to be such a douche so that you wouldn't really care that much that he dies. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like he killed a likable guy. I mean, mm-hmm. even the, even his partner, uh, who he also engineers to have killed, which we'll definitely need to get into later. I guess I jumped mm-hmm. the gun there a little bit. But right. Like he, uh, he's kind of a likable guy. Like you kind of feel bad for him because he's being taken advantage of, taken advantage of. Uh, but for the most part, this is a movie devoid of likable people, Yep, uh, which uh, feels like it's a, a theme for us recently because uh, we just watched a few weeks ago Nightmare Alley, and that is also a movie devoid of likable people.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. I know I need to. I've got a whole list of movies, but yeah, it, good it's things. good.
1: It's a, it's a good movie. Just uh, only spoiler for it. gets a new movie, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but it is a movie devoid of joy.
0: Oh, okay. Then I'll probably love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like if you're, if you want a good movie where it's about, it's kind of like this movie, right? Where you have, actually, it's a lot like this movie. Now that I think about it. it, you know, you have a main character who has nothing, who has to kind of con his way into, you know, building something up for himself. And he doesn't care who he screws over along the way. And that's all I'll say to that. But it is a movie devoid of joy. So if you are looking for happy, fun times, watch something else.
0: (laughs) Fair enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But if you like that kind of movie, go for it. Again, it's a really good movie. Guillermo del Toro directed it. It's very well acted. Uh, Bradley Cooper is the lead. Uh, It's very good. Highly recommend it.
0: Right on. Right on. Yeah, I, I like all that dark, fucked up stuff, but... So we'll get into uh the characters. And so Jake Gyllenhaal, Hall, Jakey Boy, plays Lewis Bloom. And yeah, psychopath, high you know, when I hear high functioning sociopath, I just think of Sherlock, Benedict's Sherlock. So I'm just yeah. like, I think, I think Lewis is worse than that. <laughs> so I sure. but yeah, he just yeah, he bullshits his way into uh crime journalism. So he's taking all the photos and of horrible accidents and people dying and it's just disgusting and renee russo plays nina and who runs like the uh who works at like one of the local news stations and so he starts selling her this footage and everything and she's the one of the first lines you hear in the movie from bill paxton's characters if it bleeds it leads and that line has always stuck with me all these years and it's oh god I don't even know where to start with this movie because it's just like I want to go here but then here and then here Uh, but Lewis is really uncomfortable to watch and the way he speaks like he's read and watched way too many like self motivation motivational videos and everything and then you find out that he's he does everything online all these business classes and stuff and which makes sense because I feel like he uses all these like businessy Motivational, like buzzwords and shit.
1: Oh, and I hate it.
0: Yeah, me I too. I
1: hate it. So, like, okay, this is going to be really dorky, but do you listen to Weird Al or know who you know? You oh, know yeah. Weird Al.
0: oh, yeah. That was our son, our oldest, who's 11. That was his first concert a few years ago uh when Weird Al came to town. So, uh yes, we are fans.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So, he has a song that's, I can't remember what it's called. I'm going to get yelled at later by Weird Al nerds. Uh, but it's, uh, it's basically a whole song of nothing but those corporate jargon buzzwords.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I can't remember. Next time you're chatting, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. But like okay. the whole the song is making fun of all that stuff, right? Like that's the point is to make fun of all those stupid jargon words, right? I work at a, uh, at a community college in, an, uh, in the IT department. I'm not an IT guy. I'm an AV guy. I just work in IT. And Recently, we have a new uh, chief information officer, and he started using those types of words in our in our big meeting because he came from a corporate job before coming to this kind of job. And and like I'm looking at one of my 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 buddy, my coworkers, who is uh, also a big Redou fan, and we're just like grinning from ear to ear because he's literally saying phrases like, "We need to leverage our corporate assets so that <laughs> we can." incorporate synergy so that we can maximize uh effective efficiency right like so when so when lewis is saying it in the movie i'm both cringing at the way he's delivering the line and also laughing because he's doing that thing also right mm-hmm. he's just but like no one cares that he's you no know one saying like no one that he's yeah. that he's saying it to cares except his uh, little employee uh, but yeah. Like when he's trying to get that job at the beginning and the guy goes, I don't hire thieves. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yes, but I could, uh, I can double your profits. And like you know, he's just using this jargon that he's just parroting that he got from an online class. And it's just so cringe.
0: Mm-hmm. And even when he, he steals the bike at the beginning and he takes it to the pawn shop and the way he lies and bullshits. And it's like, yeah, it's not necessarily the corporate jargon, but so it's like more like, you know, athletic Bicyclist, whatever. But oh my god, the way it just flows out of his mouth, yeah. All these, but like the, all these, yeah, buzzwords that he's committed to memory and he just throws out because he thinks people want to hear that, or he thinks that's what he should say, or he just doesn't know any better. And he, so he is, like you said, just parroting everything. It's oh, he Jake Gyllenhaal does such a great job with this character and just making him. I, the willies.
1: I love that scene specifically. It's a, the camera is just set in the back of the room, aimed at the salesman, the pawn shop guy, and he's riding the bike in circles in the shop, mm-hmm. trying to sell the bike. It is so clever. Uh, it, it, like, that's just a shot that whoever came up with the director or Jake, whoever is such a clever thing to both make you uncomfortable as the viewer. But also, just kind of shows you that he knows how to turn on uh, like a personality to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like he knows how to act like a human, but he's just not. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, like he's a robot trying to you know, like like Sherlock, the high functioning sociopath. He he has moments even in that series where he knows like the girl in the last season that he kind of fake falls in love with. Like he was able to oh, yeah. fool her enough just you know sleep with them or whatever but mm-hmm. everyone else is like really mm-hmm. you, you you were able to carry on a relationship with this woman so yeah
0: yeah and then just being so cool and then just being like just and then being so easy to just like walk away from it you know from the next for lewis like one con to the next and one at one venture to the next and like you said, knows how to turn it on, what to turn on for who he is talking to or dealing with. So I watching his, I guess, descent into more uncomfortableness as he's getting better and better and selling more of this footage and everything. There's the one accident where he get they get to first before the police. And he moves the body, he drags the body so he can frame his shot up on the up on the little hill or whatever and to come down and and film it all. I was I was so tense because I was like, no, I mean, obviously you don't do that. But holy shit, like the thought process behind that, that that kind of narcissism behind that and just not giving a fuck and manipulating everything. and. Yeah, that was one of the, that was like really hard to watch (laughs) was him setting that up.
1: That's such a great scene too, because it really, so like you've already mentioned earlier. So literally the opening scene is he's trying to steal some fencing and then a a security guard shows up and he's able to kind of bullshit his way a little bit so that he can get close enough. I think he kills him, but we don't know, Mm -hmm. but I think he's dead. I honestly think that that security guy is dead. And then, and then, then it just, you know, even like, you're like, oh my gosh, how can it escalate from there? But you're you're right. Like he, there's a dead body. I think that person's dead. We are pretty confident that that person's dead and he just, oh, I got to get the shot. Well, it's not in the right frame. He's not in the light. So I'll just move the body into the headlights of the car so I can get a better shot. I mean, he's just acting like a director. Mm -hmm. Just in this case, the prop is a human corpse Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't care you know it's all about what he wants in the moment so the the part for me where it gets really intense honestly is the scene when he and renee russo are having the conversation yes and he kind of turns the tide on her right so they have the first conversation the real conversation at the mexican restaurant where he Mm -hmm. basically blackmails her and says look i want sex with you and you want my videos so We'll, we'll keep, this is now the arrangement or I'll go somewhere else. And then later when he comes in and he's like, he gives it that real intense, like, it it almost looks like he wants to hurt her. Like, mm-hmm. cause then he says, and when we're alone in your apartment, I want to do the things I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, because we don't know what that means, your imagination is like, Oh, what kind of kinky shit is he into? You know, like, mhm does he want to hurt her? Does he want to slap her? Like, like, we don't know. I don't want to go too far down that weird hole, but like that scene is so intense because we've already seen him kill one guy. And you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. is he going to hurt Nina? But then they have this super innuendo conversation later when he's like, Hey, here's this video I got. And she's like, yeah, I want it. He's like, how badly she's like, Oh, you know how, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just as innuendo as hell. It's it's just the creepiest thing, too.
0: It's because especially by that point, she seems to be okay with everything. This arrangement that they have now and really kind of falling into line, like how Lewis wants her to be, which is kind of disappointing in the sense that like you know when we're first introduced to Nina she's kind of like that ball buster calling the shots you know she's it's the third shift you know news team or whatever but she's there she's in charge she's saying she's manipulating the footage you know I'll oh, put the barking dog over this scene and that and so by the end where she kind of falls in line with Lewis and then even tells like her coworker uh the character's name is Frank I think Because he's like, well, you're starting to sound like Lewis. And she's like, kind of like, well, he's maybe not wrong after all. You're just like, no, he's super wrong for everything he's done. Because, yeah, I couldn't help but wonder if he killed the security guard in the beginning, because I mean, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is we don't see all these terrible things that he does or supposedly does. We're just left to assume. And so by the end of it, I'm like, OK, yeah, I'm pretty sure he killed that security guard. I hadn't really thought about it since the first time I watched it. But I'm like, oh, he totally killed Bill Paxton's character. Totally cut the the break line. Because in the way that Bill Paxton looks at him as uh, Lewis is filming him, yeah. there's like just he knows. he knows there's so much terror in his eyes. Oh, my God. I was just like, oh, he totally Lewis totally fucking killed Joe, Joe Loader. And so yeah we see so we're just kind of left to assume that he does all the and then yeah the deal with he has with Nina and everything it's just this descent into having even less barriers or rules or ethics morality. He just doesn't care and it's it's hard but it's a good watch so let's see let's talk a little bit about Nina. What did you think of the Nina, of the Nina character when we're first introduced to her versus kind of how we're left with her?
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, she, so we're introduced to her cause she's in like five or six scenes, right? Like she, she lives in a bubble. She's always at the news station, except the one time at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much always seeing her in her environment as opposed to Jake, who is all over the city. And you're right. Like the first time we see her, she's very dismissive. She's like, Hey, your camera sucks. And this is not really good. And I'll give you 50 bucks for this. Like, she's just kind of dismissive. And then of course, as he keeps bringing her stuff and, and whatever. And, and I think you're right. The relationship that they have is that it feels like he rubs off on her more than the other way around. Like he's willing to push whatever envelope there is to the point that she's like, all right, we'll put on air dead bodies of family you know like no one has identified this family we don't know who they are and but that's okay we'll just you know we'll pixelate them out and it's fine i mean she's she's just looking for the next big thing and obviously she's trying to it's explained at the restaurant that she's nearing the end of her contract and so maybe she's willing to to push it to to get a contract extension at this the, the fifth lo- the lowest rated news station you know in town Mm-hmm. and, and we don't really know what comes of that. Like we don't really get, Hey, thanks to this coverage. We are now the number three, or we we don't know anything from that, but the fact that she's willing to give him 10 grand for that one video and then the police chase, who knows what she's able to, you know, we don't know what, what she gives him, but it's enough that he buys two vans and hires three people. Mm-hmm. So and by hires, I'm using air quotes as hires because he called them interns. Yep. So, uh, Yeah, no, her character just, she just steps right in line with him. And because he's giving her what she wants in the form of, you know, the video, and I, she seems to be kind of into whatever the sex part is happening there. So, I mean, yeah, she, like I said, this movie doesn't have likable people. Mm-mm. I mean... Her character just kind of goes from ambivalent to to kind of, a you know, awful.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, cause for that brief moment in the Mexican restaurant, I, I did kind of feel bad for her because of the way Lewis approaches trying to make this deal, his quote, bargaining, what he calls his bargaining. And I'm just like, no, it's manipulation and blackmail and probably a little bit of gaslighting and but you're just so full of shit and but she makes the choice it's a choice and she made it because she wanted to keep her job and he calls her out on all of that yeah you're you're coming up on your two years you know he's like I, it's got to be something with contracts and the fact that you keep job hump, hopping around you know maybe you don't want to do that maybe you want to stick around and you know do better so and she she falls in line and it's just oh it's so gross <laughs> so gross but I, I I do enjoy Renee Russo I like watching I think she's a great actress so I thought she did this character very well but it was I just I I did feel like I said I felt bad for Nina in the Mexican restaurant but definitely not by the end of the movie because I'm like you don't care it's, it's like you said it's like Lewis rubbed off on her more than she was able to rub off. And I don't think anyone's able to rub off onto Lewis. He's kind of set in his, how he is. Yeah. He's uh, unshakable in that sense and just kind of lives his life the way he wants to and doesn't give a shit about anybody or anything else.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're 100% right. And the only way that he's going to be influenced by anyone is if he sees a way to benefit from it. Um, and in which case he'll still be on his terms, like all those internet videos, whatever. I mean, those are influencing him, but they're on his terms, his way so that he can get the benefit of it. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, a
0: hundred percent. So. Uh, and then there's his employee, his intern slash employee, Rick, played by Riz Ahmed. And I did feel bad for Rick. But again, Rick's also Rick also made the choice to to stick around for as long as he did. But I had you kind of get the sense that he's, you know, he, he's just that desperate. You know it's not as easy for him in a financially speaking to walk away from this as it would be for like Nina to walk away. From. I assume she's got money saved up whatever, but you feel like Rick really, really needs this. I mean he's good with getting paid thirty dollars a night he asks he has an opportunity to ask for a raise, and the poor Daffy bastard only asks for seventy five dollars a night, so you kind of get the sense that. He's not in the best situation or maybe not the brightest bulb or I, I almost got a little sense when we first meet him when he comes into interview with Lewis at the diner. That maybe there's like an addiction thing going on because his eyes were all bloodshot kind of dark in circles, a little unlike the not like super like twitchy or any scratchy or itchy like that, but there was something there that. Well, I think he did say he was homeless.
1: But he did he does say that. And I think maybe uh, that was it. He did say that he was homeless. And I think that I, I can't remember if Jake actually asked him, Are you on drugs? And he said, No. Um, but as far as like his kind of personality, I think that's how the actor acts. Because like those kind of weird mannerisms, that kind of jerky, awkward mannerisms, uh, the only other thing I know him from off the top of my head is Star Wars Rogue One. Okay. He's the pilot and he's just exactly the same in that. He's like this kind of, you know, kind of awkward, jerky, kind of whatever. And uh, you kind of look at him and go, how are you an Imperial pilot ever? You know, but <laughs> now I see why you, you <laughs> defected, but yeah, you do feel bad for him. And you do, uh, because he's in between a rock and a hard place. I did want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to derail your podcast for a moment. Right on when When he walks in to have the conversation with with jake to and it's a job but once you realize as the viewer that it's a job interview, have you ever walked into a job interview and immediately said to yourself, "Nope, I want no part of this." <laughs> Does that ever happen to you
0: yes <laughs> i've i had I've interviewed uh for like call center type jobs and it, def it's it's not for me it's not my thing and i i still tried it but i was like i can't i can't do this i think i lasted maybe a month at each different Mm. call center job but i just yeah that would have been i'm i'm sorry but do are there employers that hold interviews like yeah at restaurants okay
1: (laughs) i have seen it i actually have seen it it is a little strange i i have seen it before Uh, the only time I ever did that and this I'll try to make this as brief as I can Um, I was working at the theme park looking for full-time employment and I get this job looking for audio engineers that's my trade is audio engineer so I I show up to this to this place and it's like in a nondescript you know um, like strip mall right where it's just a bunch of businesses right and it's just all these little businesses that don't have storefronts right these are all businesses like Bob's plumbing. You don't go to Bob's plumbing. He just works out of the warehouse, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you walk in and I I walk in and there's a a young lady behind the desk. And I said, am I in the right place? Because there was no signage. There was no, you know, star studios. I don't remember what it was called. It doesn't matter. But there was nothing that would say that this was a business. So there was a lady behind the desk. I said, am I in the right place? And she says, well, who are you looking for? And I mentioned the name of the business. She said, yeah, you're in the right place. And I said, I'm here to apply for a job. I have have an interview. And so she hands me an application. And so I start to fill it out. And like the third question is my social security number. And I thought, why do they need my social? So I leave it blank. I just ignored phone number, all the other typical stuff, whatever. So it looks like if you've ever been to a car dealership, right. It looks like there's a showroom in the middle and then offices kind of around it. And that's what it is. There's people walking around, but there is no audio anywhere. Right. Like this, again, this was an engineering, you know, position. Mm-hmm. So finally this guy walks in and he's wearing like t-shirt and shorts. Right. And he's like, Hey, come on back. And he starts asking me about what I've done and some whatever. And so we're, we're talking about some of the things that I've done some of the projects, some of the, you know the TV shows and the, a um, couple of the CDs that I help produce things like that. And he said, can you, uh, you know, we want to listen to some. So I, I played on my laptop and he says, we would like for you to leave your laptop here so that we can listen to it without you. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my laptop in the room without mm-hmm. you know, by myself. And he says, he kind of gives me a look and he says, why not? And I said, I, I don't know you, man. Like <laughs> I have personal stuff on here. And uh, he goes, well, then I don't, I don't, don't, I don't, he goes, I'll tell you what, let's just hang out back out there and we'll, we'll talk. I said, look, I have it, all of my files on an audio on a thumb drive. So I gave him a thumb drive. I go back into the lobby. And that's when I realized that there's nowhere, not only is there no signage, but there's nothing that says better business bureau or like a job, you know, any kind of whatever. This other guy walks in who looks like me, you know, suit and tie, got a flap. And I said, him, "I said, hey, you here for a job? And he says, yeah. I said, they're going to ask you to leave your laptop in there with them. Don't do it. And he goes, oh, okay. And I just walked away. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. They never called me or anything like that. It was just the strangest thing.
0: That's super weird. Asking yeah. for your social security number and your lap. Mm-mm. Gigantic yeah. red flags.
1: Yeah. So super- anyway, that's, Sorry about that, but it was no, just, that's all right. but as soon as I saw that, like watching it this time in that moment, watching Jake sit there and he come up and to interview, I thought, man, that was like, that feels so janky. Again, having an interview at a restaurant, that's not that unusual, but it just whole, the whole thing just, yeah, it's, he's obviously desperate. Otherwise he should have just walked away.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, Rick, you could tell he's desperate, you know, cause he accepts the position at $30. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, if, if he had maybe a slightly more sense or awareness of the situation, he could have sensed that Jake was the one that's or Lewis is the one that's desperate. I don't, that's, that was my, my take on it, because the way that Lewis kind of, uh, the way he spoke and everything, it's like he's so full of shit. Maybe that's just me as the as the viewer and every audience member. I'm like, no, no, don't trust him. He's full of shit. But I really wanted Rick to realize that, (laughs) even though I already seen it and I knew he wouldn't. But I did like and seen I recognized because I've seen Rogue One. I You know, I love Rogue One. It's my favorite like Star Wars movie. Totally forgot that he was the pilot in it. So I kept kind of remembering him from Venom
1: because my kid's
0: like super into he loves venom uh so like yeah it's
1: a bad movie it's not good
0: well and not just the movie but the character as as well so uh i side note i found i thought it was entertaining not a perfect movie the second one was worse but i i just i like tom hardy so i have a soft spot (laughs)
1: sure i get that i mean who doesn't like tom hardy right Yeah.
0: (laughs) but yeah so rick and then so rick is his navigator and is tries to you know get him to all the places uh as quickly as possible reroute he's basically his gps rerouting rerouting and then we get to uh lewis is uh succeeding so he has a brand new bright red shiny mustang
1: dodge challenger
0: (laughs) not close (laughs) it's fast and shiny yep uh (laughs) And I I do have to laugh that it's like the red that he chose red, because as he's trying to follow uh, people around and everything, like, I understand you need something fast, but something bright when you're working at night, maybe not the best option. But I feel like the color choice is also a sign of Lewis's personality. I agree. Bright, flashy, look at me. I'm someone important. So he first yells at Rick about spilling spilling gasoline on the vehicle after he filled it up. And I was reading on like IMDb that that was a little bit of um foreshadowing that Lewis was going to be the reason why Rick dies. And basically cuz yeah Lewis was like if you get in my way again, you're terminated. And Uh, rick is very apprehensive about this chase and how lewis is basically trying to set up this crime to happen this shootout so he can film it and make money and uh they get to so it's like the end of the chase scene and that's a very exciting chase scene too i it it was it's very good and apparently jake did all the driving or most of the driving for that
1: good good that's cool but I mean, yeah, like for a movie like this that has no stunts, this is a psychological thriller to put in a car chase scene. It was so it's surprising.
0: hmm Yeah, I would agree. So the it ends in a big crash, and uh Lewis is trying to film it, and so he walks up to the uh suspect's vehicle and he's filming. And he's like, he tells Rick, okay, he's dead, grab the camera, come up and get this shot. And rick does but the assailant is not dead and shoots and kills rick and lewis films all of that no. and oh oh that i felt so bad for rick <laughs> i was yeah. like oh you poor sweet summer child you you poor. you should have just gotten out of the car at some point or not gotten back into the car but so you said you had something to say on that so take it away
1: oh well i i just think i, I meant was that i i mentioned it too earlier in an episode but you're not wrong in that so in my notes so i I did take notes as i do for my own show uh in this but this particular moment right so when jake offers rick he says hey i'm gonna give you a promotion he says oh and he goes and you we're gonna is there a pay raise he says yeah pick a number and you mentioned that he's like uh 75 bucks he goes okay and he goes could i have had more and he goes Yes, you know, like mm-hmm. you could have had more. And he goes, Can I renegotiate? No, you can't. And everything is fine until Rick changes the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And he says, Well, wait a minute. You know, I'll just tell the police that you did all this stuff that you set this up, you're gonna go to jail. And so at that point, Jake has to, you know, okay, fine, you can have half, it's it's okay. But in that moment, you can see the wheels turning that this is a guy that's going to be in my way. This is going to be a problem. And so when the opportunity presented itself that he could remove the problem, he was going to do it. And it's just like anything else in this movie where there's a problem, right? The security guard is a problem. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill him. Um, Bill Paxton character. He's a, he's a, a obstacle in the way. It's time to remove him. Now here's another obstacle. I have to remove that. So that's what he does. And that's what just... But yeah, you, you do feel bad for him. You really do. Um, but Like you said, if he was a little bit smarter, one, he wouldn't have ever gotten the car in the first place. But two, knowing that, that your employer is as psycho as he is, you can't blackmail psycho. Right. You just can't. Mm-mm. So...
0: Yeah, and he's, you know, throughout the movie, Rick's asking about raises. And it's like, especially after Lewis buys the the Challenger, the Dodge right? Yes? Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> um I don't know vehicles. I just know that I love the El Camino. It's like sure. my favorite. It's a mullet Spanish, of
1: vehicles. Which is Spanish for the road.
0: Oh, I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking of like, um, that seventies show Spanish for the Camino anyways. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> my, so yeah, my, uh, my uncle had an El Camino it was a blue one and I loved riding in it. It was so fun. I mean, it's like half car, half truck. Like yeah. how can you not like that?
0: Yeah. It's a, the total mullet of vehicles, business in the front party in the back. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> never thought of it like that. You're right. It is the mullet of cars,
0: <laughs> but, uh oh no I tangented too far but yeah anyways oh yeah so Rick's asking for more money Lewis has bought the new Challenger and it's like at that point when you're asking your boss for more money and they're just like no now's not the time now's not the time I'd I'd be like are you fucking kidding me you just bought this brand new ass car that I can't barely even touch or spill, spill a drop of gasoline on and you can't even give me an 85 dollar raise right now so whatever Or not eighty five dollars, but you know what I mean. I'm bad at math, (laughs) so it's like I just wish that Rick would have gotten out sooner, because I thought he was, he's, he's the one that I had the most sympathy for. Oh sure. So, likable or not, whatever, but I just, I, I felt, I felt so bad for little Rick.
1: Yeah, and you're supposed to, so that when that moment happens, like you do feel bad, and that it's, I think that. It's supposed to submit your hatred for Jake, mm-hmm. and then not only does he get away with it, because it's crazy to think like he films it, he literally films it. But there's no way to prove what that he did anything wrong. So, so not only does he get away with a murder, though technically he didn't actually pull the trigger, but he profits on it, and then thrives on it. Like his business is now booming. He's the, he's kind of the he's. I, I kind of look at it as he's now the premier guy in town to get mm-hmm. this footage from, I mean, to buy two vans I and mean, maybe he sold the challenger. I don't know to buy the second van, but yeah, it's, it's, it's messed up. Yeah. poor You do feel bad for the kid that he died for $75.
0: Poor guy. And it's like, and Lewis even says like, well, you took my bargaining. So it's like, yeah, Rick changed that dynamic. Like you said, because it's like, out of all the things, that's what, Rick had picked up from Lewis was the bullshit and the bargaining and the the blackmail basically.
1: Yeah.
0: So again, another character that uh, Lewis rubs off more onto them than vice versa. Um. So let's see. I, I want to talk a little bit too about this kind of crime journalism that we see in this movie walking that ethical line uh reporter you know these kind of freelance photographers uh showing up to these crime scenes getting all this footage and then selling it to the highest bidder it's it's it happens and it's super gross and i feel like like there was even less of a line for these kind of crime journalists uh, in the past with crime scenes. Like I don't watch a lot of local news now, but I feel like it's definitely not as graphic, but I feel like there was more, you know, back in the day, they, they did show more of kind of maybe not quite to the extent of what we see in this movie, but that kind of sensationalizing this, these terrible violent crimes. And then the narrative that Nina keeps pushing you know, you got your urban, uh, urban crimes leaking into suburban neighborhoods and kind of feeding into that fear and that racism and how they are manipulating the story in a sense, to elicit, you know, obviously emotional reactions from their audience. So like when we see that they're showing the uh, break in and the shooting victims in the in the home and the way she keeps feeding lines to the anchors about like now say this again now push the fear the killers are still out there just oh my god it just aggravated me but it was very interesting to see kind of a quote behind the scenes even though this is still fiction that like god how far like is this that far from the truth for how some of these maybe some people in that industry might see maybe your TMZers or your you know your more freelance photogs and whatnot so what did you think about the crime journalism and how it was depicted in this movie and your thoughts on that
1: well it's definitely supposed to make you hate it right Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying that this movie is anti news media but it does come across as yes, the news media is trying to manipulate, manipulate you, but we as consumers, we already know that, right? Like we, we know that. And I don't say you don't have to be, you know, this is going to sound mean. You don't have to be smart to figure that out. Like just watch the news and say six items under your kitchen sink might try to kill you. Which one is it? You know, like they're Mm -hmm. always, always hear about these kind of stories and you say them as a punchline. Like I did when you say, you know, um, these new five new baby toys are out. Four of them will try to kill you in your sleep. Find out at eight, you know, like you, they always try to do this thing because, oh, well, I better watch at eight o'clock to figure out that my daughter's sleepy time bear is going to try to murder me in my sleep. I have to find out, you know, so that, I, so I watch their news program and then buy their products. So we, we know that, that they're doing it. I guess the movie just kind of shows you almost the darker side of it right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, maybe maybe our local news is, you know, yeah, they're, they're pushing the dumb products under the sink, but, you know, no one's moving dead bodies in order to do that. And maybe this movie is just trying to show you, maybe that's the true thing, or maybe not. I don't know. I do know that the, that that profession, those night crawlers, that's, that's a thing mm-hmm. that is real. Uh, in fact, the guy that I worked for, oddly enough, has uh, does that as a part-time gig so uh, i worked for an an audio video installer i've been at various parts all over the country doing installs mostly in churches and kind of concert venues like real big sound system installs things like that but he always has a camera in the truck and he has a police scanner on his phone so whenever he's going from gig to gig he'll put his scanner on and it's up oh, there's something nearby he'll pull his camera out get some footage and then you know you know like he'll upload it to the thing and he'll get a check in the mail or something like that so he's done that in the past and that's that's I live in Charlotte uh, North Carolina which is where he's done that so mm-hmm. it's a thing it is a real thing but it's never this
0: right no. never crosses that that line that we yeah. clearly see Lewis do moving bodies and setting people up to die so he can film it and everything so
1: exactly i mean he he i guess he doesn't break an inner, but he does trespass at least twice right because mm-hmm. he goes into that first house where he gets you, know, you see the bullet holes and he manipulates the shot so he puts the pictures in the shot where the bullet bullets hit the refrigerator and then he looks out the window to see the victims outside and the director or not the director but the the news guy whoever's name is he was like did you get permission to go in there and he goes well, the door was open and I, I said hello and no one answered. So I just walked in, you know, like, like he has some kind of bullshit reason for everything he does. Mm-hmm. Like when the cops question, why did you go in the house? Well, I heard the alarm. I thought someone was in help, but why did you record everything? That's my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he crosses the line many times, but he gets, and he gets paid for it. It's crazy.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's been as I wrote, like, so in that first one where he gets the shot of like the uh, the photos on the fridge and everything. And all I could think is like, God, if you were if you were that family and you were, were watching the news and they replayed that clip, I would be so enraged. I would be pissed off. I would be up, so upset and even scared. I'm just like, how did someone come in and film this and then film us and not ever know about it? on top of everything else that you're dealing with i oh i that, that's where my brain went to in that moment as he's walking through as lewis is walking through the kitchen filming everything I was like holy fuck, if you were that family uh oh, i'd i'd be suing all sorts of station i'd sue the station
1: yeah well and that was why they had i guess she was a lawyer or something she was somebody up higher above renee russo's character but she was like legally yeah, you're allowed to do it. Blur the faces. I mean, it could be any mansion up on that street. So, yeah. you know, I uh-huh. guess that's how they got cover, but still.
0: Still, it seems very thin, very like veil thin. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely, oh, yeah, it makes you, it really makes you kind of question everything you see on the news and the media and how it's been kind of rearranged to elicit all those emotional reactions and it's watching this movie in today's time and everything with a lot of the the kind of pushback against like fake news and yada yada i'm just like oh this is not a good movie to watch now (laughs) oh shit because that was all yeah
1: yeah it does kind of change the context of the movie a little bit and i hadn't thought about that but you're right
0: yeah just a little bit and then uh yeah and then that end shot with uh, the vans all pulling away and kind of scattering throughout LA. Uh, I was reading on IMDB that it's supposed to kind of in a way be, um, like, like Lewis is a virus and is spreading, you know, because he's convinced Nina, you know, that this is the way and, and enough to where, yeah, he's able to buy the vans and have interns and his internship program that could be, and oh my God, so full of shit. Yeah. So it's, Kind of having read that and then watching the movie, I was like, it really does kind of feel like they're just slowly out there creeping along and there's going to be more of them and just very uncomfortable. Like, yeah, like that virus is just slowly skittering around. Wow.
1: Can I, I do want to tangent again, real quick, please. Yeah, if that's okay. Absolutely. Feel free to cut me out later. But so I worked on a TV show in Charleston, South Carolina called Palmetto Point. It was a really bad TV show. It went bankrupt. There's a whole documentary on how awful this thing was. And um, people got sued and lost their jobs. And uh, it was it was a big deal. Yeah. I'm still technically owed money from this production that was nearly 20 years ago.
0: No way. Damn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So one of the perks, so they, they didn't pay me very much, but one of the perks was that they were housing me. So they, you know, they said, Hey, we're only going to pay you. Uh, I was a sound mixer for that one. So I'm technically a department head and I was making $120 a day, which is well below market value for a sound mixer. But I had shitty equipment because I was, well, it wasn't my gear. It doesn't matter. The point was I was living in an apartment with three other people, a three bedroom apartment with four of us. And so I, I got a bedroom because I was a department head and there was a, a, a woman living with us. She got a bedroom because she was a woman. And then the other bedroom went to the other guy who was uh, a paid employee, but he was a location scout. Uh, and he was one of like three of them. And he got paid. Uh, I think he got paid like $75 a day. And then the other guy that lived in the living room on the futon, uh, his name was Ken. He was technically hired as an intern, and after about three weeks, he finally went to them and said, I, "You know, I know you're, you're housing me, but can can you pay me something?" So they paid him forty dollars a day to work ten hour days, twelve hour uh, ten to twelve hour days with the rest of the production. Now his job was what's called video assistant, right? So. We, we, we set up the shot, and then his job is to literally send the, the feed from the cameras to two monitors. So the directors can see what the cameras are. That was his whole job. But it was still a job. Mm-hmm. They paid him 40 bucks a day to sleep on a futon in our living room.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So when I hear him talk about, I'll give you $30 a night, all I could think about is poor Ken sleeping on a, on a sofa in our living room during this TV production. I mean, that's – I mean, it was – you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it still happens. So, um, but it's it kind of the same thing. It's like, I've, Ken was complaining to me one time and I'm like, dude, I feel you, but you took the job. Like, you yeah. like yeah. knew it was an internship. So, and he goes, yeah, but I thought that he would pay. And I'm like, I'm sorry. So when he finally negotiated to 40 bucks a day, um, yeah, that, that whole production was was real shady anyway.
0: Damn. Well, now yeah. I gotta get the uh, name of the documentary and everything, and give it a watch because I hadn't heard that, and that sounds kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Basically, what happened was that the uh, the reason why there is a doc is because they were making a behind the scenes for the DVD. That's literally what it was. So they had this guy filming everything, and then um, when stuff started going downhill, they just said, "Well, we'll just we'll just use it for a doc." And so they they kind of changed it, everything and turned it into a dock. The, the problem is, is that the guy that's producing it was one of the guys fired from the production. So it has a little bit of a different feel than it, it, it comes across different than I remember. I'll put it to you that way.
0: Gotcha. I remember
1: things a little differently, but ultimately people got fired. It was a big, it was a big deal. Uh, the company went bankrupt. Um, yeah, it was crazy.
0: Damn. Oh man, so many interesting stories from your time in The Biz.
1: Yeah, the Biz. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. I've got a couple of fun facts or just one. Just one. <laughs> okay. And um, you know, because I've got like fun facts, likes and dislikes. I mean, there's really nothing I I dislike about the movie itself. I, I think it's a great movie. It's done very well. I think people should check it out. It's gonna be a hard watch, but if you're if you can make it through it, I think you'll like it. Uh the only other thing I've got is that um during that bathroom scene where Jake is or Lewis is freaking out, uh apparently when he broke the mirror, he uh cut his hand so bad that it required forty-six stitches. And he was in surgery for several hours, was released. And back on set about six hours after that. So give or take. It's like, damn, he's such a good hard worker. That Jake Yellen Hall.
1: Well, it, it it's one of those things where you have like these method actors that do that. Like there's mm-hmm. that story Leonardo DiCaprio did the same thing when he broke that glass when doing Django Unchained. He's mm-hmm. got glass in his hand, but he kept acting. He didn't break break character. Um, there's lots of famous, you know, little moments. Uh Diego Mortensen when he kicks the helmet in the two towers he breaks mm-hmm. his big toe so when he screams it it looks like he's acting that he's upset because the hobbits are gone but instead it's because he just broke his big toe
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but he, he stayed in character so there's I, it just feels like one of those things where if if the director knew Jake was going to assault the mirror mm-hmm. then maybe they should have used a different mirror yeah. <laughs>
0: See, and I can't remember, but I think like I, I think him breaking the mirror was not part of what was originally written. That that I may have gotten wrong. I just remember reading about the how many stitches and it was several hours. But yeah, so maybe yeah, he just got super into it and like grabbed the mirror and then just start punching it. Who knows? But yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah, if had it been planned, it probably would have been a different type of mirror, prop mirror. Yeah. But... <laughs> um let's see and and that's really the only other fun fact that i pulled off of imdb that i really liked so uh i wasn't sure if you had anything or anything else that you really liked that you didn't get a chance to it's kind of our stray bubble moment as we near the wrapping up portion
1: not really i mean all the other notes that i have we've pretty much covered um yeah that's pretty much it
0: right on yeah i think i managed to get everything out this fairly easy to talk about this movie in the sense that it's really good and it makes me uncomfortable and i really like all the actors and it's the one time i don't want to like jump on jake Gyllenhaal. hall so good <laughs> job jake <laughs> all right so we will go ahead and move on to the six degrees of nicholas cage nightcrawler edition so this is where we get to a nick flick in six steps or less so sean did you do it did you get there
1: so I was so excited for this. So when you guys did this for um, uh, the fifth element and I realized that, oh, this is a bit that they do all the time. I was super stoked. Yay! So the first thing I did was actually try to figure out if I could do it to the actors that I've worked with. So we're going to get there and I'm going to tease that. Yes. So I have two for this movie,
0: Ooh, nice! Two,
1: two different actors to, to Nicolas Cage. So my first one was the detective, and I don't have her name in front of me, Uh, but there's the only detective, the lady detective. I don't know her name. Anyway, so she is also in the TV show, The West Wing. She has four or five episodes where she plays a a lawyer. I guess they're all lawyers, technically, in West Wing. So the detective in this to The West Wing. In The West Wing, there is an actor named John Spencer who is the, uh, he plays uh, the chief of staff for President Bartlett. And John Spencer was in The Rock as the FBI Walmack character with Nicolas Cage.
0: Nice. Good job. All right. And you got another one too?
1: I do have another one. Yes. This one's a little bit shorter. Okay. Um, Michael Papajohn uh, is in this movie as... Somebody, I can't remember what his character is. Uh, I should have had this ready. Uh, Anyway, this awkward silence is brought to you by IMDB. (laughs) Michael John plays a security guard in this this movie. Again, this is a movie with shockingly few characters, right? Mm -hmm. There's the four main people we've talked about and about four or five other people that have acting or have speaking lines. Uh, I also love the fact that Kent Shocknick and Sharon Tay, that's their real names. They are professional newscasters. Ah. Like, that's what they like. They're actors who act like they are newscasters.
0: No way. Like, that's a thing, huh? Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, so, when you click on Kent Shocknick, he was, uh, he played a TV news anchor in Bull and he played a TV news anchor in Bosch uh, as. Uh, Kent Shocknick and he was in uh, there's a bunch of Manhunt, uh, Tommy Manifest NCIS as male reporter, <laughs> <laughs> and in uh, Law and Order True Crime as newscaster, and Batman versus Superman as Kent Shotnik, and NCIS Los Angeles as news reporter. Like, that's his job. Wow, that's yeah. kind of cool. Isn't it like, like that's his job is just to be a fake newscaster.
0: Oh man. I didn't know that was a thing. You know, <laughs> I, right? could, I think I could do that.
1: No kidding. He was in monk <laughs> as TV reporter. I mean, it's, it's great. It's so cool. He's in anchor man. As well, I would hope news, so <laughs> as news reporter. It's awesome. And also in West wing, I could have used him. He's in West oh. wing as Anchor Man, so that's cool and same thing for the uh sharon tay she's the same thing she's it's the exact same thing i just think that's just super fascinating
0: that is very interesting you know i did see them on imdb you know playing what i assumed was their themselves i was like oh maybe these are like local la uh news anchor so i didn't even bother clicking on their
1: names right yeah <laughs> anyway oh michael yeah. papa john was in a movie called drive angry which stars Nicolas cage so nice. that's, a, that's a pretty short one
0: right on well i've got i only have one today i was working on a second one earlier and then i got distracted because i somehow ended up on the movie Pootie tang and then i saw that that was written and directed by Louis ck and as and then my mind just stopped functioning at that yeah. point <laughs> but <laughs> um and then i had to get the kids and i had eye appointments and blah, blah, blah life. Sure. Life. So, but what I've got is so I've got uh, starting using Jake as Lou. And he was in a little movie called Bubble Boy.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, which is one of I love that movie. That was like the mo- one of the first movies I remember seeing Jake in and kind of having starting to have that crush on him and everything. And there's a ton of people in it. Uh, and one of them being Danny Trejo. And Danny Trejo was in Conair with Nick Cage. So I got there and uh, just a couple of steps, a short one, but nice. Yeah, I wanted to get another one, but like I said, I yeah, (laughs) like what Louis C.K. wrote and directed Pootie Tang. I I'm not sure how I feel about that. I haven't watched Pootie Tang in several years now, so I'm like, I kind of want to rewatch it just now, knowing this and see you know different eyes and everything. But we'll see.
1: Okay. Uh, so I did one for me. Yeah. So, I, so for that TV show I was talking about, we shot a pilot of that TV show in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We shot a 22-minute thir- a pilot that, we would, uh, that they would shop to the local networks to get it aired. Somehow they convinced a network called PAX TV, which is now called ION TV, okay, to, to air the show. Anyway, in the pilot only, she didn't do the TV show, but in the pilot was the actress Shawna Waldron and you would know her as the icebox from the little giants (gasps) yes
0: oh she was a badass okay go ahead so
1: um and your listening audience can't participate in this but this is a picture of me with shauna
0: no way oh that's so cool
1: so shauna was in another movie called the american president And The American President starred Michael Douglas. But it also had, it was an Aaron Sorkin uh, written movie. And it also had an actor named Josh Molina. Uh, Josh Molina is is a character actor. He's been in a thousand different things. Most recently, he was in, I think, Scandal for a little while. Okay. He was in Scandal. I can't remember. Maybe it was. Yeah. Anyway, he's an actor. Go look him up. Josh Molina. But Josh Molina was, again, also in. Uh, the West Wing, which had John Spencer. John Spencer is in The Rock. So my number would be Shauna, Josh, John, The Rock. So my number would be four.
0: Nice. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Well, I, I worked on that. I worked on that a long time. I, I found that connection with Shauna about 25 minutes before we were recording. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm at dinner with my phone on IMDb <laughs> scrolling through, and my wife is giving me dirty looks because I'm on my phone at dinner. <laughs> this is important. It's for the show tonight.
0: I know. I get I get the looks, too, from the husband, too. So yeah. no electronics are allowed at the table. But sometimes I'm just like, I got pod prep to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was amazing. And that was awesome. And thank you for... Uh, showing the picture that's so cool god little giant i love that movie the movie was the best okay fumble ruski fumble ruski sorry
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well what has been streaming in your bubble uh,
1: what have you been Watching. well um other than movies from my show which is pretty much all we watch the most recent thing that we streamed my wife and i the last two things that we streamed from front to end was uh, the Obi Wan show. We watched Obi Wan, and uh, and I had, it's fine. It's not yeah. great. It's fine. The best parts were just watching you and McGregor act. Mm-hmm. But the, the the finale kind of bothered me. But I'm not going to get into it. But it it annoyed me, just <laughs> annoyed me. But the other thing that we watched was Bridgerton season two. Yes. And I liked Bridgerton. I don't care. You know, people say, Oh, you got cash in your man card, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's a fun show. It's really well written. If you like dialogue heavy shows and Shonda, 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 Shonda rhymes. rhymes rhymes. Yeah. She's the writer. She wrote and created scandal and uh, gray's anatomy, right?
0: Yes. Yep.
1: She's, just fantastic and she kind of comes from the aaron sorkin school of writing where i must use 50 words when i can normally use 10 mm-hmm. um i just like that you know what i'm also here to say i like gilmore girls too for the same reason uh, weird, weird side story years ago before children back we call it we literally call it bc before children mm-hmm. um my wife would watch gilmore girls and i would play video games and I could basically participate with her because it's like listening to a podcast because it's such a dialogue <laughs> heavy show that yep. there were moments when it would go quiet. And I would say, oh, is, is your laptop buffering? And she says, no, they're just walking from place to place. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like in a 44 mm-hmm. minute show, there's so little time where they're not talking that when they weren't talking, I thought the show had stopped. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Judge me all you want, listeners. I like Bridgerton.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're a a Bridgerton boy and a Gilmore guy.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's nice. nice.
0: I love, I love Bridgerton. And I did an episode with Meg from uh, Bedwetter Behead like last year or something. And because I just, I kind of resisted watching, like I wasn't all like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch the show. I was like, all right, you know, the autoplay kept starting and kept like Netflix was like, you want to watch this. So I finally caved, could not shut it off and not just because of like the sexy bits, but because it was really entertaining. And so I made Meg do a quickie, impromptu episode on it because I'm like, I need to know why I loved this so much, because it's not really like my genre or anything like that, but it's so bright and pretty. And we did that episode. So when season two came out, I could not fucking wait. And then I finished season two and then I restarted the series. <laughs> nice. So I I fell real hard and fast for uh, Bridgerton. And then after watching the first season, I listened to Shonda Rhimes book, The Year of Yes, audiobook Year of Yes, which was very, very good. And I I do highly recommend that. So if you're a fan of Shonda Rhimes or audiobooks, uh, like autobiographies check it out super good other than that the only other things that i've been watching um finished stranger things four with the oldest one uh, hubby and i finished season three of tacoma fd and i love that show it's so funny and then we just started only murders in the building season two on hulu with steve martin martin short and selena gomez and that show is so funny, it's so brilliant. I think it's just it's so good, and more people need to get into it. Um, and then then I started uh, Miss Marvel last night, and had to force myself to turn off the TV at like 1: 30 in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> I still have to get up and kind of function tomorrow. right. But I just I was hooked. She's uh, the actress that plays Kamal is adorable. She's like the cutest thing on the and she's got big old puppy eyes and just like like little cherub cheeks. Oh, she's just so stinking cute. So I'm really I'm like, yeah, episode three or four or something. Totally digging it. Can't wait to finish it. People should definitely check it out if they haven't. I don't know why it's not as po well, I, I have my theories as to why it hasn't been as popular, but I think people need to give it a chance. It's a really good, really good show. My kids really liked the added animation to it because they're like, "Oh, it's like Mitchell's versus the Machines." It's like, yeah. "Yeah," and we all love that movie.
1: Oh, that movie's fantastic! I, <sighs> I was blown away at how good that movie was.
0: I couldn't believe how much I ended up liking that movie, and oh. now we just call YouTube Yubtub.
1: Nice. So. <laughs> yeah, we we do the um uh, <laughs> what do we do? What is it? I, I I can't think of what it is. Uh, crap. It's the joke with the dog. They can't the computer, it's I, I can't remember the second thing, dog, but then it can't figure out what it's it like is.
0: Loaf of bread or yeah, potato. loaf of bread.
1: You know, a loaf of bread is the end. Like dog, pig, dog, pig, loaf of bread. <laughs> and then they explode. But I can't remember what it's dog or something. I can't is it is it pig? I can't remember what it is. Was
0: it pig? I couldn't
1: I can't remember, but oh, that's like yeah. loaf bread. but I love that the like the the secret weapon was just to put the dog on the front of their car. <laughs> But it's it's such a sweet movie. It's such a good, you know, father daughter coming of age story, and it's it's really sweet. So yeah, go go check it out. If you on Netflix, it'll be there forever. If you haven't seen it. Go watch Mitchells versus the Machines.
0: Yeah, it's it's super good. I love my Rudolph does the voice of the mom. No, so she's her, amazing. Oh my god, her big badass moment with yeah. like just taking down the robots. Holy shit, that was the funniest. I was like, yeah, mom the life.
1: Are, they're like trying to get away from her. They're like, no, and she's like <laughs> riding them as like she's in battle plane. <laughs> it's amazing. It's um so good. <laughs> since we're having a fun time here, I do want to say this. Mm-hmm. So the director of Nightcrawler is uh, a person named uh, Dan Gilroy. He also did another movie uh, called Velvet Buzzsaw. And he's done four movies total, but he did Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, also stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee Russo and a few other people. It is a bad movie. It is not good. It's supposed to be like this horror thing where the art comes to life and kills you and and uh, john malkovich is in it too and i uh, and tony collette yeah tony collette i mean he's got such a great cast i could not have been more bored and just like this was the guy that gave us nightcrawler like this is supposed to be good and it was just ah so i think I,
0: i think i've seen that you say the the artwork comes to life and kills people
1: sort of doesn't come to life. Basically like the art, the artwork was painted by a, a serial killer and anyone that buys it ends up dying. And Jake Gyllenhaal is the one that kind of uncovers it, but you know, it ends up being too late. And then basically where, where the movie really loses me is like, it, <laughs> I don't know. It, it becomes too supernatural. Okay. And like the velvet buzzsaw itself was a piece of artwork that Renee Russo did and she actually has it tattooed on her on her body and then at some point that comes to life and kills her. It's so dumb.
0: Oh, I did see this. We yeah. did watch it. And I don't remember much of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're forgetting it it tells it says a lot.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think I read too that Renee is married to, uh, Dan Gilroy.
1: Oh, well, that's okay. Good for him. That's all
0: right. (laughs) Congratulations to both of them. Mazel tov. All right. Well, let's see. That's going to be about it for us. But before we go, I want to make sure that Sean, you have an opportunity to go ahead and, uh, promote the podcast where you can be found and everything. And, um, Yeah.
1: Sure. If you uh, you like uh, movies that you can also find online, go to cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com There you can find links to all of our social media. I'm pretty active on Twitter, probably more active than I should be, but that's the way it is. Um, Go leave me a message there. uh, Say hi. uh, And of course, you can download our podcast where you buy all of your podcasts. And uh, yeah, episode uh, 405 records tomorrow. We're reviewing What are we reviewing? I already watched the movie. I can't think of what it is. Anyway, it was good. Whatever (laughs) it was. I honestly don't remember what I watched. Uh, Let me scroll my notes here. We watched, gosh, dang it. The accountant (laughs) with Ben Affleck. So that's what we're going to review tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Yeah.
0: Right on. Can't wait. So all right. Well, I just want to thank you, Sean, for being so tolerable today and being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. So thank you.
1: And thank you so much for having me on. This is a blast.
0: Absolutely. And of course, thank you to all my lovely bubblies for listening. And now go check out Cheapseat Reviews. Bye. This is where you say goodbye.
1: Oh, bye.
0: <laughs> I didn't actually yell at you like I've yelled at past guests. So there. <laughs> If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as MyStreamingBubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search MyStreamingBubble over at BuyMeACoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase my streaming bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.